Welcome to the Unestablished Podcast, a podcast about the unexplained shenanigans of adulthood. Adulting is challenging, but with a little wine and an unfiltered conversation, we'll get through this together. Each week, we will discuss the perceptions of what it means to live the broke rich lifestyle as an unestablished adult. Living broke rich is not just about monetary assets. There are levels of this shit. Now, here are your hosts, Constance, Jawanda, and Monique. Welcome back for another episode. We're at episode 13. Hey, yes, friends. Okay. Yes, we're back for another one. And I hope what you, you guys enjoy what we have for today. We're still on this mental health kick. And we wanted to make sure we that we touch on different bases of mental health. So today it's going to be a little of um, seasonal depression. I talk about how I feel like, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I definitely mentioned it to the girls that I feel like that I experienced it in pharmacy school. So we're definitely going to be talking about that with uh, Professor Napoleon Wells. Um, But right now, let's get into this wine of the week. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Let's do it. So the wine of the week that I suggested is Jam Jar. And I actually mm. got this suggestion from a coworker at work um, at the beginning of the year. And um, Jam Jar Ooh. is a sweet Shiraz. Um, and at first, I could only find it at the wine store. But then I saw it at the Kroger's. And I was like, mm. oh, shit. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> was it a sign? You, were, yeah, you thought it was yes, a sign? Yes, because the wine store is a little bit further than the Kroger for me. So, like, I would actually have to go, like, take a trip to the wine store versus just going to Kroger. So, I was so happy when I saw it. I was like, yo, this has to be our next wine because <laughs> I saw it um, mm. in the Kroger. So. Girl, and I got the last bottle oh, at Kroger you? today. I was like, girl, I was like, <gasps> look at the Lord. <laughs> Provide a thing for me because I was so scared I wouldn't be able to find it. I'd be trying to give Publix the benefit of the doubt, but them bastards don't, don't have anything. Not my Publix. Publix ain't got, ain't got jack yeah, shit. Go Not I my Publix. I Publix that often because the Kroger is so close. Like It's like the Kroger and the Food Lion. And so they're so close. So I don't go to the Publix because Girl. I'm just you know accustomed to this close lifestyle. And plus the Kroger... They have, you know, you can do that delivery. I mean, pick up. You can do the pick up. Oh, yeah. So I just pick my mm-hmm. groceries online and just do the pick up. Oh, I don't ever do that. I've been meaning to get on it. Girl, it's a life changer. I pick up the groceries. I, I tell yeah, EJ, hey, when do you want to pick up these groceries? And he go and park in a little spot. And he get the groceries and he bring them home. And I cook the meals for the week. So, it. Honey, their grocery stores are in miles of each other. I hate it here. They sell out the Bible Belt, the grocery <laughs> that around this bitch. It's literally like a food line, and then ten miles down the road, then we got the Krogas and the Aldis, and then you keep going, you got Lidl, and then you keep going, you got Publix. It's like, okay, what am I close to at but this moment in it's time? Kinda, it's kind of like and, that for me. If I the Kroger is the closest, and then there's a food line, but other than that, if I want to go to the Publix or if I want to go to the Aldi, like I have to, it's a trip. 
Like, we gonna have to be on that side of town. And it's a trip. Well, trip. at least you have the luxury of these Publix and Kroger's. I guess. Oh, sorry, Mo. Yeah. I guess. I had to go to Total Wine. And it was, I think, ten ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I don't blame you for this pig. This I've been sipping on this all week. I don't either. I, I, <laughs> friend. And I shall be sip, sip, sipping on it throughout this week and probably next since I won't be. Yeah, like I definitely. <laughs> none of, none right. of us will be on this week. But... We'll be on vacay all this week and we deserve it. Yes. But yes, we Lord. definitely recommend uh, Jam Jar for vacation <laughs> shenanigans because yes. this is good. This is good. Um. Yes, for the for the for the winter ahead, honey. If you um, want to impress your red wine drinking friends, um, or just bring your own particular red wine and fit in, and it's sweet, go and get you some jam jar. Cause this jam jar is jam. <laughs> so just a just a little bit of an insight on the jam jar. So the jam Shiraz <laughs> is a Shiraz, but it's a sweet Shiraz. So if it was a regular Shiraz, mm-hmm. Mo would have been like. Hell no. <laughs> I've never had regular Shiraz, so I got nervous when yeah, I saw it. So Shiraz is oh boy. it's dry. It's like mm-hmm. quiet. Yeah, it's like dry. So I'm willing to give a red, a true dry red wine a try. But you only get one every six months. So pick Ooh. one. Okay, I'm gonna have to let me let me explore this because um, right. I'm gonna have to, yeah, gonna take some research. Have to do some research because I do all kinds of wines because I know what to expect with each one. But like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to feel through this to see what I can give to get a good one for you. But the Shiraz, this Shiraz is actually a sweet Shiraz, so it has like a fruity, sweet wine taste. Um, of course, it meets my requirements because I, I believe it's a twelve and a half percent. And, yes. Um, it has berry. It's more of a berry flavor with like blueberries, mm. blackberries, mm. raspberries, and I think it says that it has yeah, a dark right? chocolate kind of undertone somewhere too. Mm. So, yeah, child. Well, shout out to the Suicide Squad Pod. If you like a new wine to try, go and get on this mm-hmm. hit jam jar. You'll like it, I believe. Yes, yeah, they'll <laughs> give us their honest review. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I hope you guys like it. If you find it, let us know if you like it. You know if Mo like it, then the majority is going to like it. Yes. Constance and I yeah. are a different anomaly when it comes to the wine situation. Um, yeah. We can drink yeah, that but anything. I think I'm more of in the middle. <laughs> like, I'll do some sweet shit, but Constance really don't care about the sweet stuff. I mean, I don't want to be too sweet. Like, not dessert sweet, but I can do it. Like, this, I can do. I can do this. I can do a sweet red. I just, I just, I'm going to we're gonna have to figure out the Moscato yeah. situation. So, we have plans <laughs> to do a Moscato series. We're going to work on it? So, um, yes. Because I was like, oh, man, I could think of like five different Moscatos like we could do. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to figure that out. I'm going to have to play with it and see what I can get Constance. And I think we gave Constance a card. Like, it's kind of like a, a switch card. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. just one little mm-hmm. get out of jail free card. And Mo, you going to have one too. Because, um, you know. But I am willing to do some Moscato. <laughs> yes, it's Mo. gonna be a it's gonna okay. be a Moscato to celebrate Moni. Yes. Um Yes, Lord. <laughs> because she loves she loves the sweet <laughs> and she loves the Moscato. So we want to yes. just yes. introduce 
to you and to her and to even to us, like some different kinds of mascotas that are out there. I'm excited about that session. Yeah, because there's more than just regular mascotto and diaspi. There's other options. (laughs) Right. And I, and I would like to explore those. I, I really do want to see what's up because it's, I feel like it's, it's our gateway wine. I feel like that's every woman. Yeah, that's where we started, especially wine. in college because it was so affordable. Yeah. And, but I feel and, like and I, it was good. I feel was, like I used my getaway card um, with the Apothic Red. No, you drank it. I didn't find yeah, it, I, remember? I ended up getting something else. Oh. I can't remember, what but whatever it was, I didn't drink it. I swore you got them. I you, you got it. You got a, a regular Malo. And some I did sort not of Malo, I swear. Okay, but it's... Because it was Malo. Because <laughs> you get a regular ass Malo. Oh, Which that was Oakley. Hella dry. That's what that was. Oh, yeah. Oh, this mm. like a cheaper version. Anyway, it is, do you guys have any suggestions any or any comments about the sweet Shiraz of Jam Jar? Any other comments? No. No, not that I have already it. said, but, you know, y'all... Please and Lord Jesus, if y'all have anything, any kind of good red you want to suggest, because Mo, you heard Mo, she said she's gonna try some. Go ahead and, and please, Lord, just, just are we gonna just take a vote from our audience of what yeah. red wine I'm gonna try? I think we should. Oh, oh my God, oh, that would be poll. funny. Oh my gosh, let's do a poll of what type of red wine. Now Merlot's already out the question because you you didn't have Merlot and you didn't like that shit, so we're gonna have to pick the other ones. Oh, I don't think I have a Pinot Noir. Oh, I don't think she has a Pinot Noir. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Any options? Yeah, we should take a poll. You can do that. We don't want to get on the whole one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just want to say, like, doing this, like, picking these wines of the week is probably, it makes me more knowledgeable about myself. Like, I know more about wines than I think I uh-huh. Y'all be like, oh, Constance the bartender. Nah, bitch. Y'all know what the fuck y'all be talking about, too. I'm like, okay. Well, Constance, you're the bartender of the drinks. Okay, I know the wines. Just put me... Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let you have it. Because, like, I stick to... I am a, a creature of habit. So, I stick to what I stick to, and I kind of... No, I like to there. try the different wines. I'd be like, oh, I ain't tried this before. Oh, they got this, too? That's what I like about what we do. We, I get to try yeah. different stuff and get to see what I like. And now my my wine collection is bigger. So now where I store my wines has got to be bigger too because I need a bottle of each of these on retainer. You know, just just Yes, just out of case. all of the wines that we tried just so far, case. I think this jam jar <clears throat> is my number one. And then that Cali Rosé, number two. Okay. Mm. Now that Oliver wasn't playing no games now. Now that's a Moscato. I would drink all day for you, baby girl. All day. Now that blueberry Moscato, I would try that. All, I'll have that all day for you. Now that one I'm going to drink. <laughs> all right. So we talked about the wine of the week. Of course, it's awesome. We've been talking about it for probably like 20, 10 minutes now. So <laughs> let's get into more important things as to why we're here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk, um, as I said before, that we're going to, on this episode, we're going to be talking about um, seasonal depression. We're probably going to be talking about some other types of psychology and mental health wealth as well. Um, But what we have with, uh, who we have with us is Dr. Napoleon Wells, who's a licensed clinical psychologist. Yes. Napoleon Wells is a professor and practicing clinical psychologist with a focused interest in anxiety disorders, trauma, and wellness practices within communities in the African diaspora. He was raised in Bronx, New York, 
and presently lives in South Carolina, where he performs his TEDx talk, The Cure for Racism. As a black psychologist, he has lectured on the use of already existing practices and melding these with psychological science to promote healthy emotional development and engagement within the black community. He is an avid reader of science fiction and Afrofuturism and has contributed a work to the most recent cyberpunk anthology. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here's Dr. Wells. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We got another episode for you guys. Yeah, honey. In the big 13. Hey. And this is just, I don't, I think it's by coincidence, but I think we ended up having like a, a mental health month. So this is great. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not like we didn't need it. It's okay. I mean, I'm not hurting. Right. <laughs> we always, we always need to check in from time to time. Yeah, very necessary. For sure. So for this episode, we yeah. are going to be um, with the psychologist, um, licensed clinical psychologist, Napoleon Wells. And um, we wanted to talk to him about seasonal depression. So seasonal depression is something that I feel like I suffer with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know about the other girls, but I know that's something that I have experienced since I was in um, graduate school. So I'm so glad that he is here to join us today. Mm. So thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Sure. Yes. Thank you. For sure. Um, So we have a series of questions to ask you. Um, Hopefully, um, everything just, Mm -hmm. it will just flow well. So um, I don't know who who wants to ask their question first. Mm -hmm. To start this off, we want to know what is your um, definition of mental health versus mental wealth? What does that mean to you as a clinical psychologist? Yeah, I think mental health in the same way, I think, well, first, I always say emotional wellness, if I'm going to answer the question, because I think the ways in which we think about our mental health have to be slightly adjusted, especially in our community. And I imagine that we're going to mm-hmm. focus in on our community more in a little bit. So when I think of mental health, I think of emotional wellness more so in someone who is just getting by, right? Here's an individual who isn't broken by depression, who isn't so overly anxious that they can't function day to day, who doesn't have any substance abuse or misuse issues, who isn't dealing with grief necessarily. Here's a person who can generally function, right? And even though they meet some of the stresses of life, they aren't necessarily bowed by those. They're managing. In other words, they're functional. Versus mental wealth, which when I think about mental wealth and I think about emotional wealth, here is someone who is managing their problems very well. They're managing the stressors of life very well. They aren't dipping out on relationships, They manage the problems in front of them. They aren't enabling friends. They aren't enabling their worst habits. They aren't looking at work as being something that they have to do. They find ways to manage stress, to cope with stress. They find ways to build healthy support systems. They find ways to invest in themselves and their wellness. And so in the same way that you think about financial wealth, do I have extra to work with? Do I have a surplus? Do I have assets? That's the same way that I think about emotional wealth mental wealth does a person in fact have assets that they can draw from that they can then use to better balance and manage their life that i mean 
Yeah, when I think of wealth, I think of something um, of somebody, of value, I guess you can say. So I think of an asset that, that's in somebody's mm -hmm. life. So I, mm -hmm. I definitely think that when mm -hmm. I think of mental wealth or di mental mm -hmm. wellness, I do think of those things that you mentioned, because I think they're important not only to, um, mm -hmm. you know, find mm -hmm. the key points or find like triggers in your own life, but in other people's lives as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen more? Sure. I, it kind of intrigued me when you started um, talking about people who are more like high functioning. Like it's not like they're totally, I hate to say cured of, mm -hmm. you know, and have perfect mental health, but they just know how to cope with it better. Have you seen sure. like um, more mm -hmm. people who are more high functioning than you have low functioning as far as where they are with their mental health? Like people who are learning how to cope with it better? You mean in my personal life or my, I mean in my practice? In my practice, not everybody is, everybody's ruined. That is kind of, not everybody's ruined. That's, I'm, a, I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm no counselor. So I don't have people coming in who are just saying, well, I'm just having a hard time. Like I'm dealing with severe mental illness most of the time. So now that whole mess, like those folks are bad. If you knew some of what was walking around South Carolina, listen, <laughs> but with, with regard to what I, what I think we've seen a change in is the kind of conversation we're having around mental health. So we have more people that I think have become aware of it. And there are pros and cons that are to that. So the general public has become more aware of what impacts their mental health. But, and I'm going to blame your generation some for this, that information that is out there, your generation accesses it. And so everyone diagnoses themselves. When I start to hear the sentence, I feel like, I, I immediately am like, okay, I'm going that way. You know what? I feel like I might be bipolar. Okay, why do you think that? Well, people tell me I have mood swings, and oh, why yeah. do they? And so it's a there's a rabbit hole, right? And we live in kind of a meme and GIF culture where people kind of see something. Yeah. You know what? That describes me. You know, I was I was thinking that just the other day, and I'm not sleeping. Yeah. Right? And and you know what? My appetite. So there's I think almost an over identification, which isn't necessarily all negative because what it's drawn attention to is the need for us to look at our mental health okay. as a part of our overall health. So people are being assessed more. I think I'm seeing more and more people who are directly approaching me like, listen, man, I think I need a therapist. Here's the issue that I'm having. Here's some of the things that I'm experiencing. Here's some of what I saw in my family dynamics in, in our community. Why that's important is so few of the generations before the last two or three, roughly, assess their mental health. They simply didn't do it. So there were problems which existed at home that we didn't deal with, but very likely were related directly to mental health issues, which were related to psychopathology. And now the upside there is that more of us in the last couple of generations are starting to ask the questions, researching our family history, and I think having conversations about it. Um, some of the conversations are a little self-focused and self-centered, but it's good to at least start having them so that we can see about right. tying mental health into our overall health. That was a common um, topic for our episode with Lanise Mazik, the mental health therapist. Yes. She mentioned that our aunts and our moms, they dealt with the same things that we're dealing with today, but it looked different. Instead of them yes. shopping on mm -hmm. Sheen, they went to the car party every Friday night right. <laughs> or they you know went to the gas station for their right. 40s like right. <laughs> same right. issues it just looked a little different correct correct 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think specifically around women, there's the concept of mental load. I don't know if she touched on it at all. Sure. So there are hidden kinds of mental health stressors that women deal with unique from what men deal with, right? And so there's often the expectation that women are going to be caretakers. And that's in almost every setting that women are in. So women are going to carry the emotional load at work. If there's a breakdown emotionally, if there's a disagreement, women are going to tie and they're going to bind whatever that break is. If there are issues at home that require emotional energy, women are going to tend to those. So if the house is a mess, if the children aren't clean, if there's no dinner cooked, it isn't a direct reflection on the parents as a whole. Folks are going to look more toward the mother first and what she may or may not be doing, even if she's working more hours, even if her job is more demanding, even if dad works closer to home, right? There are expectations of women socially, professionally, personally, that men simply don't confront. Men are confronted with some other things, but mental load specifically is something that impacts women. You know, it, are you attractive enough today when you step out? Are you approachable enough today? Are you friendly enough today? Are you looked at as collaborative? Like all of those things are the kind of demands that women are faced with in whatever setting they're in that not all parts and all segments of a population have to deal with. And it takes a toll. That's the mental load. You know, it tends to be something that you have to worry about whether you want to or not. You might dismiss it and not address it, but it is still a kind of stressor which there. is placed on your I'm experience. I'm just tired just talking, just hearing you talk about it. Just like naming oh, yeah. out all the things. I'm like, ooh, I, and ooh, yeah. like I think about these things all the time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I am privileged in that I don't have to face them. Being a psychologist, I've, I work with mostly women. So to in fact kind of get firsthand with even knowing mental <clears throat> load happens for women psychologists, but for them to still struggle with it, it's like, I see it coming. I try to shield myself from it and it still manages to make it through the shield. I can't imagine what it's like for women who aren't so, as mindful of it. I have a question. Do you think that um, that dynamic or that sure. part of, I guess, being a woman, do you think it's because that we are considered, I guess, like the backbones of families and we have to um, like carry so much in a sense? I don't know what the, the right way to say that, but like, we are seen as the person that, mm-hmm. as a support and not necessarily as the, the main frame. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it is still an artifact of patriarchy, if we're just going to tell the truth. You know, I think supremacy breeds that rolling downhill. And then we make our way to patriarchy, which is one of supremacy soldiers. And then it's deployed to directly attack emotionally. So... <laughs> We're in a space now where I think, and this is a broader question than we'll have time for here, but I'll try to say a bit about it. Um, Yes, women are looked at as the full backbone and support of most family systems, as opposed to being providers. And very often in our community, sisters are having to do both. And sisters are having to do more things, right? Because sisters will know from brothers, from husbands, from male friends, kind of the stresses that brothers face, I think sisters will then make even more room for the men in their lives who they know are confronted with a great deal of stress. Well, sisters before y'all Ooh, generation, y'all generation ouch. is trash at it. But Shots I mean, fire. all of the generations before <laughs> that dog, were sound and holding that room. I mean, no, there are I'm a just, few of us out here that kind of... <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but, 
no, no, I'm not. Well, I mean, you do do. I'm saying like you look at it in this way, like 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 Michael Jordan played basketball, right? And he was amazing at it. You have someone like Courtney Lowe who also played basketball. Who's Courtney Lowe? Right, he was terrible. You see, he was all he was awful at it. So so there, so you do it, but it's the Jordan Lowe comparison, right? And so I think a part of what ends up happening is specifically sisters. I'm not going to talk about all women right now. I'm talking about the unique demands of black women who then have to hold up an entire community in every way and the stresses involved and the standards that are held and maintaining homes and literally even being involved from everything from politics to church life to spiritual development to the teaching of children. All of these things become the purview, the territory and stressors for sisters. If you have parts of the community or parts of a family that are falling apart, that's what's looked at first. You know, what is the role of women? What are women doing? How can women then improve it? And I imagine that in certain instances, I don't know directly because I don't have firsthand knowledge just from a distance supporting many sisters who have dealt with it. It's a heavy load to carry. It's an incredible burden. Absolutely. <sighs> I know. That's deep. Everything, everything we're talking about is real deep. <laughs> so with the mental load, I think this is yeah. a great segue to yeah. seasonal depression and how that could in itself contribute to how we, sure. um, I guess, when we experience seasonal depression. Because as we now know, it's not just winter. It's multiple mm -hmm. seasons. Um, mm -hmm. So our question Correct. is, what is the clinical definition Correct. of seasonal depression or better known as sad? Sure, so sad being seasonal affective disorder, it usually, usually develops in winter months. You know, it starts kind of in the fall when it starts to get darker a little earlier and it really becomes typically more severe in the winter months. But the understanding being that you have some serotonin kind of changes or one theory that is offered be and so if you don't have enough light, so you add, you're adding in the vitamin D component as well, kind of do people struggle with this? Seasonal affective disorder is looked at as a combination of the biological and then the psychological, both at one time, but developing and increasing in severity in winter months, right? We see evidence of it every year, quite a few people. Um, the disturbing pieces, you know, I think something like this may have been as recently as a, just a couple of years ago, over 70% of those who are diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder are women. And so there's a question about why it impacts women so much more than it does men, even though there are quite a few men and we're seeing those numbers increase. And then we're having to ask the question in different ways as gender identity you know, becomes a question that we need to ask within mental health spaces. But seasonal affective disorder, essentially what it sounds like, a person is developing significant depressive symptoms in the winter months usually starting in the fall but you also have a version of it which emerges in the summer and begins usually in the spring for people right and so what are people struggling with sleep disturbance which is a part of what kind of impacts it is if it's darker for longer how is that tied into the sleep cycle and how that impacts people if people aren't getting as much light because it's darker outside. How do we go about promoting that in our activities? How do winter months change our routine? Because that's a major part of what is looked at in order to impact positively seasonal affective disorder is what we do with our routines. So not giving up our routine, but creating a routine that allows us to be more active in the winter. Plenty of people just get inside and stay inside when it gets colder. They simply will not, but they're like, there's nothing out there for me. 
Add into that what we've seen with COVID, where people were developing more psychiatric and psychological symptoms as they were staying home longer. We were seeing a kind of year-round affective disorder where people weren't getting enough time outside. They weren't socializing enough. Their routine was ruined. They had too much downtime. And so sleep disturbance, that daily kind of sadness, low energy, appetite disturbance, focus and concentration problems. In certain instances, people were experiencing thoughts of self-harm even. So pretty significant symptoms. I feel like especially last year, that was something I struggled with a lot just because um, the the whole COVID situation, the seasonal change. Mm -hmm. And with COVID, my schedule changed. I was working more nights. My vitamin D level was very low. It was like a nine. And the the average, you Mm -hmm. wanted to at least be a 50. And Mm -hmm. mine was a nine. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just felt like I struggled with it a lot. Um, Just thinking Mm -hmm. about loss that I had in my, in my life during that time. Maybe not necessarily loss that I had during Mm -hmm. that time Mm -hmm. in particular, maybe like an anniversary or anything like that. But it was more of, you know, thinking about that, being alone more. Um, I think I feel like I experienced seasonal depression last year Mm -hmm. and I do feel like COVID played a big deal in that. So I do agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think we see a lot of it in other parts of the year for people. They believe they're experiencing seasonal affective disorder in certain instances they are, but anniversaries kind of cause a great deal of mood change when people are thinking about some of the stressors that they experienced and faced in their life when different kind of anniversaries hit they wonder why the same time of year they start to feel down somewhat it's kind of state dependent learning right you know wherever it is you learn the thing study it in that space if you got to take a test there that same kind of thing so we're back to the same point in the year where a trauma has occurred where something overly stressful has happened Many people will wonder, you know, when they're students and they go back home for homecoming to wherever their institution is, why they feel a certain way, why they either experience this great deal of excitement leading up to it or a great deal of depression and stress and anger. It's like, dude, think about what happened during that time in the past and how that may have impacted you. What was your frame of mind at that time? And if you don't change your routine, you're just coming right back around to how you felt. And some of it is your mind and body trying to prepare itself for the stress that's coming. It's almost bracing for that impact so that it can try and manage it, try to ride that wave out until you can stabilize it. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I think that's like those are like the three major family holidays. Mm -hmm. So that definitely makes sense for, you know, those time of the years as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah being so uncertain, especially in COVID times, those are like happy times for me. So when COVID came, it was like, oh, my God, we're not mm-hmm. not going to try. We're not going to get put a mask on and do the, the turkey. Like, I need some turkey yeah. and ham and collard greens. We're not doing that mm-hmm. this year. What's going on? Like, what am I, spo- what am I supposed to do? <laughs> it can't just be us. Where are all my cousins at? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't register at first. So, like how you said earlier, yeah. like, we can push it out of our, our minds. Mm-hmm. We don't actually go anywhere. We can try and push it down, but it, it's still there. Sure. It's, our body tells us, yeah. It's, it's, it's still there. It comes right back around. And you think about the way in which mm, our schedules change yes. during COVID. People were working from home. So work to a degree is healthy for many people, right? And so there was the kind of getting up, preparing for work. 
getting motivated to see people at work. You know, some folks have a work <laughs> husband, work wife that they're going to see that they're bringing coffee in for, like those kind of things. Yeah. You know, like it gets people motivated, unproductive. Whereas with COVID, the kind of stressors that people were facing largely involved like I'm getting up and I'm not going anywhere. Right. And I don't have necessarily being able to socialize and changing even my physical space to look forward to. And I don't have the opportunity to reward myself with some of the things I do out socially toward the end of a week or on a weekend. So it caused a kind of depressive space where people simply weren't motivated. That fatigue was setting in sooner. A lot of people haven't worked their way out of that tailspin yet because COVID was still this last year. So they're still struggling to pull out of it and to develop healthier routines now. <laughs> a lot of folks lying about wanting to be out there in the street. Like they're feeling way down. They're lying about it. All right. I can't wait. And they have the opportunity to be out there and they're looking miserable and wanting to get back home and don't know why they're so exhausted. Oh. You're depressed. You're stressed. Okay. You're out of it. You're fatigued. You're like all of that. You have not sort of, you haven't even grieved the time that you lost at this point last year. There was like a couple of weeks where I worked like 80 hour weeks, just one mm-hmm. week. And I think, I think it was because I was trying to avoid or Crazy. fight off that depression or trying to like to put it to the side, like put it, put it in this closet yeah, that I'm yeah, in yeah. and just like, and just be like, okay, I'm going to just put it to the side <laughs> real quick, but I'm going to go to work. Mm-hmm. And that was something to occupy yeah. me. And I had my work wife, like mm-hmm. I have a friend at yeah. work that I call her my work wife. And like, if yeah. she's there and I know we're there together, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to have a good time at work. Mm-hmm. And it was just me. When I came home, it was just me. I had no pet. I had no significant other. Like, it was just me. And just having to sit there mm-hmm. and think about that. Like, when I took, mm-hmm. like, my actual weekends off from work, I was like, I see why y'all going to the refrigerator all the time. Because y'all just sitting here on this couch, staring here at this TV, yeah. maybe on social media. Yeah. And there's right. just, like, nothing else yeah. for you to do. So, mm-hmm. I okay. completely understand that. So, right. I just felt like I just kind of, like, yes. fought it until, like, mentally I couldn't fight anymore. And I just, I let it take over. Yeah, I was definitely that person going to the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Couldn't wait for somebody to tell me they have a taste for anything. Oh my God, I'll figure out how to cook it. I will make you some <laughs> Korean wings right this minute because I have the time. I will go mm-hmm. to the store and buy everything you want me to buy because I was so bored. It was so bad. Right. I and the only stretch I feel like mm-hmm. I have correlated to work is because you know I'm a teacher. So March 13th, we got out that Friday the 13th. We thought everything was cool. We didn't think it was going to, you know, it wasn't, it was a thing, but it wasn't a thing. And then we didn't come back to school after that. Like I did not see my children again until the next year when they went to the next grade. And I like Mm -hmm. went to school every chance I got until they literally kicked us out. I said, y'all cannot come back here. It's now summer. You have to go home. Mm -hmm. Like we were, I don't think I've ever been so devastated in the summer in my life. Mm -hmm. Usually I can't wait. It was awful. It was horrible. I could not yeah. wait to go to school and look children in the face again. And my coworkers too. Because I have several work wives. <laughs> <laughs> we all yell at each other's back at that school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was, it was, my happy, it was mm-hmm. terrible. My happy escape was to just go to the beach, even if it was just for a day. Yeah. Yeah. I think a part of what our community in particular struggle with was creating new routines because we hadn't really experienced COVID before. We never really consider how much of our life is kind of built around our work schedule and developing routines around that as opposed to just uniquely 
and independently developing healthy routines. And even our family, some of us are very dependent on our families and we don't realize it. You know, a lot of our kind of social engagement and meaning in our life, a lot of our personal development meaning, it kind of revolves around our families. It's remarkably unhealthy. It's very enmeshed, right? And right. we still go forward <laughs> with it because, you know, we black folk, we supposed to. But you then don't realize, bro, what happens when I have to start to try to make meaning of myself for myself, right? That's when it becomes somewhat challenging. You know, we often find ourselves asking ourselves, you know, kind of, okay, when do I stop doing this so that I have this time for my family? And when do I develop this space within what I'm doing that's for my family? It, yeah, I, I'm worried about us. <laughs> Just as a community in that way, and the kind of talk we need to have. I know our listeners couldn't see me raise you know my finger, so, but that was definitely. <laughs> and, I, and I second that motion because I. <laughs> Nobody asked you for your opinion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I pulled away a little bit. Don't feel bad, Monique. It's okay. I'm in that struggle with you, honey. Mm -hmm. I've I've pulled away a little bit, but literally yeah. because I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just mm -hmm. too tired. I'm like, y'all, I love y'all. Okay. But I, ha I have to stay home. I don't want to, mm -hmm. but I still call and have a good 15, 20-minute conversation with mom and daddy. And it's like, listen, I love y'all, but I can't come to Sunday yeah, yeah, night yeah. because yeah. I got to finish my lesson plans, even if they're already done. I love them so mm -hmm. much. But even if they're already done, it's just like, I just I, I got to go to bed at mm -hmm. a decent hour, and I know I'm going to sit and talk to you all night long if yeah. I come over. I got to I gotta go to bed. Because I'm be mad. Right. <laughs> Constance, I, 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 no, 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 Constance, I want better for you. I want better oh, for you. Hold on, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. you just did a whole lot of explaining oh, I know. about why you had to get off the phone, and I do want better for you. No, no, no. I want you to come to a point where you simply tell your family, listen, you know, not tonight, all right? We'll get up this week, because you know you're going to talk to them that week. Part of what happens is when you obligate yourself to explain yourself, Right. When you you still maintain this relationship where here's this authority oh. and you, in fact, have to submit to it. I think there has to come a time where you ultimately do kind of say, hey, folks, listen, you're good. I'm good. I'll talk to you sometime this week. You know, we'll get up. Right. And if they have a problem with it, no, no, no. We'll talk next time when you're in a better frame of mind. We'll do that. Yeah, we won't have that issue. Right. Your family needs that from you. Our families are remaining underdeveloped with regard to our maturation and our connections with one another because we won't require our families to make room for our changing and developing adulthood. We just got to tell our parents somewhat how it is and be willing to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? They'll use their dissatisfaction very often as a kind of weapon to, to kind of keep us within those spaces, but we got to let them know, listen, man, you know, we're, we're adults. And I'm not saying that as a hypocrite, me and my mom butt heads a lot. And my mom is a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker, right? But, you know, when we got a problem, it's like, all right, mom, let's hash it out, man. But we're going to give it 15 minutes, and then I'll talk to you. You'll be good. You'll be good. You'll be all right. So it sounds like 15 you know, minutes don't, don't worry is about the it, limit. Man. I'll be That's good. all you You'll get to hash this out. <laughs> um, I mean, we do sometimes go longer, but a part of what most adult relationships have to understand, parents need to know especially ours, our relationship is a choice still, right? Like there is a point where I can simply say, I'm not dealing with you, right? Because I'm an adult and you're an adult. Like it is a choice. We, I think, very often feel obligated and believe telling our families no is going to harm them. Usually it won't. We believe taking time for ourselves that isn't invested in our families. You know, we experience a certain amount of guilt around that. And we do have to kind of pull back and I think be willing to grow a little bit. 
we sometimes have to yeah. be willing to be the villain and the bad guy to make I'm our really families grow. So I've definitely mentioned you know, it's before hard to do, but how it's I have an issue with telling, um, I won't say just people, but mostly my family know just because um, it's just been engrossed in me from childhood that it, mm-hmm. basically if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And I know that's not where it's supposed to be. Um, if you're supposed to do it because you sure. want to do it, not necessarily because you feel mm-hmm. obligated to. But that's how it's been ingrained. I can't speak for Mo or Constance, but as for me and my family, that's how it's been ingrained in me. Like, if you help me, I'm obligated Mm -hmm. to help you because you helped me that time before. I didn't struggle with the obligation. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more so seeking approval. So once I realized, like, why I kept showing up for them, even though I didn't want to, Mm -hmm. then I was able to move forward. And like you said, Mr. Wells, create that space for myself where I'm allowing myself to learn who I truly am without my family. So during COVID, I spent a lot of time in therapy trying to simply answer that question. Mm -hmm. It was scary. I realized, like, oh, my gosh, I'm turning 30 this year, and I don't know Mm -hmm. who the hell I am. Like... (laughs) But we, I think it's good that we have those opportunities to reestablish who we are in the course of trying to work through your mental health. Yeah. Well, you know that I did a men's workshop. Well, it was more of a family workshop up in Sumter. Like, Sumter's just one large family. We'll do another episode about that. The whole city. (laughs) The whole, the whole city is that way. And Sumter's not by itself. I think, you know, we have a lot of family systems that exist in and across all parts of our community in different parts of the country where we have difficulty saying like i'm supposed to think this way because i'm from here i'm supposed to have these ideals moral values here are the things i do because i'm from here and even being enmeshed in that way is difficult to break away from those small towns man (laughs) you're not gonna do that to us Smaller but, than yours, so I mean, <laughs> I was about know, to say, Jonesville, yeah, kind of like, town. What, two thousand people. That's mm-hmm. it. Johnsonville. Speak it's up. Like, which, which, which town? <laughs> it's it's Johnsonville, Jawanda, South Carolina. Which, which one? It's, it's it's a very small town. Um, it's in it's near the same county. It's in Florence County. Um, but it's close to like Lake City, Myrtle Beach. Um. Okay. Yeah, so we're like in the middle. Yeah, yeah, of Lake Lawrence City, County, Lake. okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're just small town. We're small town folk. You know, you help me, I help you. That's I was probably what kind of where that came from. You know, mm-hmm. this person helps you, so you need to go help them. So I just, you know, I have mm-hmm. a problem with telling people no because I feel like you know yeah. that obligation there. But that's. Hmm. Yeah, where I'm from is pretty small, too. So what yeah, do you um, so see as, like, some treatment options? Maybe not necessarily medical, but maybe, like, some non-medical options as well for people. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yes. Who are dealing with uh, seasonal affective disorder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've mentioned one in particular and kind of adjusting one's routine but creating routines. If we know that something is coming... Right, like seasonal affective disorder. I know this time of year, here's how I start to feel. We can kind of prepare ourselves. We can kind of armor up for that time when it comes. So keeping an exercise routine, even if the motivation is low, not necessarily getting to the gym 
in all of those instances. But do I have something like a yoga routine that I do for 10, 15 minutes? What do I reward myself with at the end of a work day? Part of what I see people work into their routine as well, I'm going to hold all of my stress energy and then release it on the weekend, right? And then by the time the weekend comes, people are wiped out. All you want to do is like binge watch something at home, which continues the non-routine cycle. So instead, kind of picking something just once a day when I get home, what do I do for myself? You know, what is the thing that I may do for 30 minutes to an hour that I build into my routine? Most of us, we eat the same five or six things, right? You know, and then we lie to our friends about how much we love Thai food. Man, people don't be liking Thai food, man, they lie. So instead, like over the course of your week, right? Do I build some different things? And so I see myself eating something different, cooking something different, preparing in a different way. Do I have a different conversation? Do I have different people I speak to in different ways? In other words, making sure to change up the routine. Vitamin D is important. Right. So as much as is possible, having outside time, one of the things that I try to do, even though I work in an office and in an office suite and I see patients all day when I have breaks in between, even if I know I have notes to write, I got to get outside. My eyes, skin all have to meet the sun somehow. Even if it's raining outside, I got to get outside, make sure I'm seeing light, make sure I'm drawing some of that outside in. So we can't just remain inside in the safety of our homes in some way. Homes almost entirely, we're, we're warm-blooded creatures. They're kind of looked at as safety, but ultimately it's kind of hibernating is what it is. And hibernating is meant to be rest and slumber for a prolonged period of time. So we have to psychologically move ourselves outside of that space, kind of get out, see ourselves doing something different, even if it's just to run errands for a period of time, changing up how we do it over the course of a week. I'll go further in terms of breaking depressions. There are certain things that we have to know and believe, right? Certain things that we have to practice as not just beings, but as a collective group. Much of what I see that depresses people, especially those that I've worked with, and it's a number of things, but expectation is one, right? And expectations of other people, people, humans, especially, they expect to see themselves in other people. Right. It's like, well, why wouldn't you want to call me back? And I called you like four times. Cause that person ain't thinking about calling you like you're thinking of calling them. Just what? Right? So we, we look to it. And so there's this expectation. And then we create these standards based on that. So we have what is known as reframing. I have to think about people differently. Think about circumstances and context differently. Think about my relationships differently. How do I reframe? what it is I'm going to believe and know about other people. Am I meeting people effectively where they are? Am I asking more of people in my life than they deserve? Right? Probably all four of us here right now have relationships we've had in our life at some point with friends, romantic interests, and we've put people in positions that they didn't have the skill set to be in. And we kept them in that position, dealing with them in that position because perhaps what they thought it said about us. Like all of us have dealt with someone that we probably were overly attracted to and kept them in the space they shouldn't be in. So it was like, well, they make me feel attractive because this attractive person, well, I mean, not me, y'all, but I'm saying like that happens to a lot of people, right? And so what you then have to be willing to say is like, do I have relationships that I'm invested in that are healthy, that are also pouring into me? Like, am I reframing how those relationships exist? Am I keeping healthy boundaries? We talked earlier about saying no. A lot of people are carrying guilt that then rolls downhill into stress 
and into depression and into anxiety spaces and insomnia spaces when they have difficulty telling other people no because they don't want to be perceived as someone who says it, right? When you get accustomed to and comfortable telling other people no because you want to say no without having to explain yourself, because still explaining yourself still creates that open obligation. Just telling people no, right? At the point in my life where I got to it, where I was kind of like, oh, no, I just don't want to do that. Like, it just freed up so much emotional energy, right? No, I can't do that for you, right? People are very often, and you probably find yourselves in that space. You want to do so much and be perceived in such a way. I would say I probably get invited to do two or three talks in a week. Most of them folks are like, well, you know, listen, we don't have any money for you, but we would love if you could. <laughs> a lot of times I'm simply like, well, nah, but good luck to you, right? And some people react in a way to that, but ultimately yeah. I'm like, I can't do all of them. There have to be other people who do them. So I'm going to go to sleep and rest like a baby because I know that issue is going to work itself out on their behalf, right? There won't be an issue. You have to come to a place where we reframe how many of the problems of the world belong to us. Most of them simply don't, right? And I would say very often a part of what I would ask for people to practice is showing themselves some grace. You're not a finished product, right? As long as you are alive and you are breathing, you are drawing information in. It's if you are engaging with that information, if you are allowing yourself to grow with that information, that you start to see a good deal of change. And so give yourself that patience and grace. Right. You are still learning. You're bound to make some mistakes. And especially you, ladies, you're very young. And I imagine like a lot of your listenership is still very young as well. They're joining you on this journey. Don't try to be a finished product. And I would say one of the things that comes through my door quite a bit is kind of people hate liking other people's lives. <laughs> Familiar with the term hate liking? Oh, either you hate or you ain't. <laughs> yeah. What's the so, hate liking, child? No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's not, no, 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 Constance. It's not even that. It's not even that. Right, right, right. So probably all four of us here at some point, right? You've seen your friend who's in like oh. Turks and Caicos again. Right? They're there for like the fourth time. You know, like, you know, they work like I work, bro. And the thing is, you're going to go and like the picture with a heavy thumb because you like, she got a hundred. Got 135, like, like I, I can't be seen as the one who don't like it. You know what I'm saying? Right? They're going to see that I like the like. And you really don't mean it in any way. You really don't like it at all. Right? Really, there's a good deal of envy that is involved in it. There's a good deal of discomfort. Right? You see a particular picture. It's like, oh, they caught the perfect sun at the perfect time, and they took this picture. Why can't any of my pictures be exactly that perfect? Why do I always look doofy oh, when I'm boy. leaning on my car? in this picture like why is my skin always four different colors and this person every single time well like and you really don't mean it you know in any way so there's it's almost a kind of thoughtless act i'm just going to because i'm supposed to and i like everybody's stuff right and there's the kind of pressure that we look at those lives and we wonder whether or not those are lives that we could lead why can't i you know how about i Right. And in the social media space, there are a lot of us who are drawn into it. Like these are the things that people are doing. And then when you add in memes and gifs, like I wonder often who is the commissioner that is approving those messages, messages getting out that people are then liking. Right. You know, hey, sis, <laughs> if he ain't brought you flowers this whole week, he ain't for you. <laughs> and there's like 2000 likes on this. Like, OK, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what <laughs> doing this. 
has to do with the quality. But hey, listen, if y'all like it, right? But there are all of those things that end up happening. And I think very often it takes away from our personal satisfaction with our lives and with their becoming because we don't independently and with people who have a thorough understanding of themselves in our lives, we don't with those people reflect on what is mm-hmm. important. You know, we just get kind of mm-hmm. caught up in what we are. Yes. Yes. I was just about to say that out on something. Oh my God. Oh, that's, I think that's my yeah. thing. And I, and I'm with yeah. you. I know, I don't know where it, or I don't know what it is. If it's a societal thing, something came from my family, like, I'm with you, mm-hmm. I, and I do hate like, I, and I'm not gonna lie about it. I do it because I'm like, mm-hmm. I want that, and I know I'm envious of this person. I know I'm jealous af because right. I got to go to work tomorrow and the next week and the week after that, and I'm poor. Right. Okay, I'm right. living above my means right now, and I want to go to church and right. take those too. But how I'm gonna get there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't even fathom how I'm gonna get mm-hmm. there right now. So I'm right. just gonna, I'm gonna love this because doggone it, you look good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you having fun. I want to be there with you. Why am I not there with you? Right. But I'm not. I have to live real life. So I'm like this, yeah. even though I hate you because you look so good. <laughs> and then I move on. I scroll mm-hmm. and I do the same thing. I mean, when I when I when I started to travel more and to be in a blessed position to do so, what I immediately realized is the more fun that I was having and the more meaning I was drawing from the trip, I simply had no time to take pictures. So I was trying to figure out how it is there were people who were taking like 30 pictures in an evening. And when I started to look around, even in places that I went to, right, you know, I'm at this resort out in San Juan and I'm looking around and I'm like, all right, man, you know, like, you know, I make a good bit of money. Some of these people just look broke. They sound broke, but I'm seeing them like sitting at tables with people and doing it where they're trying to look a certain way. What I began to realize is that people are making meaning of just looking the way as opposed to doing, right? As opposed to actually enjoying the life and enjoying the space. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, like I do, I can't lie. I get that FOMO and I I'm jealous because you out here and I'm at work working these 80 hours. But once I realized, right. like, if I know you personally, and once mm-hmm. I realized what all you had to mm-hmm. go through just to get there, and I'm just like, mm, it wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. <laughs> so I knew it was just a photo op. I know it was just an opportunity yeah. for you to just boast and say, oh, I'm here. But mm-hmm. what you had to do to get there, it's just like, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. 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 It wasn't even here. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I think kind of a lot of emotional grounding you know, reminding yourself, mm-hmm. listen, a feeling that I'm having right now is simply a feeling. It's not a fact, right? And even extending that to other people, I think in our community, if somebody makes us upset very often, <laughs> I know the way I was raised is like, hey, I'm mad because of that person, as opposed to understanding my anger, my irritability. It's my reaction to something that they did. It's not factual. I've got to be adult enough to go to them and kind of say, hey, listen, here's how I reacted. What did you mean by it? Right. You know, kind of what did you mean for me to feel? I don't think it was that, but let me check in with you. So reframing, grounding, allowing yourself to know feelings aren't facts. Very often disengaging. You know, I don't have to continually return to things, even if the thought crosses my mind. Let me go on ahead and find something else that I can invest my energy in and not as distraction, but to generally enjoy it in some way. Because a lot of what we do otherwise tends to be distraction. (laughs) Distraction. Mm-hmm. I know. I, it's, I, 
All of us are. Listen, all I of really us. I really connected are. when yeah. you was like, it's so easy to all binge, of us wa- binge watch something. Like when you feel drained and you've done so much, you just, I just don't mm-hmm. want to talk to anybody. Yeah. I just want to um, yeah. never leave my house. I would love mm-hmm. everything to be able to live. Yeah. But sometimes you deserve that too. Yeah, you deserve that too sometimes yeah. to simply say, I'm going to recharge. But then right. it's good to vary how we recharge in some way. Like I care absolutely nothing about playing uh-huh. video games, but my son does. And he likes to play them in different settings. So we may play some at home. Then we're going to go to play live. I'm going to rent this private room for us to play in because me being with him is going to allow for me to recharge. I've got to vary it in some way. And it's okay for us to vary those things. I find myself in that situation sometimes where I I deserve, so I do. But I feel like I overindulge sometimes as far as like mm-hmm. so it's it's like finding like i need to find that balance okay. of oh you're doing this too much or you're doing this to decompress so i think so i'm i'm a homebody what's what's an example so i like to stay at what's home an example? so i may open a blind or two okay. you know i'm gonna shower i'm gonna be clean <laughs> but i'm gonna lay on that couch and i'm gonna watch that tv show and I'm gonna binge watch, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna find another TV show okay. that's similar to that one. I'm binge watch that mm-hmm. one. I may order some food, so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fed. I see what you're saying. Okay. But after that, you mm-hmm. wait. But but are you are you good to yourself with what you watch? It like depends. what do you watch, friends? You know, it's like what's something where you're like, oh, trash I'm gonna binge TV. that. Binge that. <laughs> trash TV is my favorite, so I like a little Housewives. That's my favorite. Okay. But I also like okay. watching anime, or okay. I also like watching. Mm-hmm. You know some mm-hmm. other some new stuff on Netflix. I think. So my favorite anime is it's probably What's cliche. Your anime? It's One Piece. What's your favorite anime? <laughs> <laughs> Not cliche at all. It's excellent. So go with it. Yeah. Not cliche. Some of some of your listenership needs to get on that. And a part of why it's beautiful to binge. It's got like thirty five seasons, so they can get in and go. Yeah. But like I, I do find myself sometimes getting caught up in the balance of trying to do what's soothing to me and getting caught up in that soothing <clears throat> situation. So I think I, I mean, I, maybe that's yeah. what Constance was trying to say. But mm-hmm. I do like, I, like I'll get caught yeah. up. Like I'll, like sometimes I'll make it a thing mm-hmm. where I'm just not gonna move my car all weekend, and then I'm gonna be like, oh, that was nice. I'm not gonna do it again. And then Ooh. I was like, oh, that was nice too. So I'm not gonna oh. do it again. So, <laughs> yeah. but I know. <laughs> I need to have some people interaction. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I just get caught up into being at home and I'm just like, oh, sure. but now I'm at home. Mm-hmm. You know, then you find yourself yeah. like, at home and you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm here right. and nobody's here with me. <laughs> that was my reality. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, listen, a lot a lot of people thought going into COVID yes. it was going to be heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and within a month or two mm-hmm. is kind of like at mm-hmm. home if you don't change the routine at home is home every day so hopefully a part of what we've learned from that is even if you're home vary your routine some and kind of vary your personal rewards some and vary the kind of voices that you invite into your space and i would say where our personal relationships are concerned and this is specific to probably the last three generations be careful who enables you because all of us have enablers that are in our space. You know, they tell us that we're more right than wrong. And they don't they don't mean any harm by it, right? You know, I mentioned I work with a number of women psychologists and I try to be a good balanced male ear. 
because that man for my women friends. But I'm like, dude, every this so every single one of these dudes just didn't deserve you. Every single one. I had nothing to do with so You're not you, but problem. every single one. Who, 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 who? Every time and why do you continue to find yourself We're as never the problem. Like, every time. <laughs> Right. And they look, oh. Right. So I'm I'm not terribly I'm not built with the skill set to enable very well. So I'm going to kind of ask those questions. I'm and I'll I'll ask. I'm kind of like, can I keep it one hundred with you? You know, as I'm talking about what you're presenting. I think even understanding the kind of energy that we're putting out, you know, what kind of human do others process me being? Right. What kind of energy are people responding to? You know, we don't spend a lot of time learning that. I tell especially all men and women, have you a team of folks on the other end of the diplomatic divide who you can trust, who can tell you, here's the energy that you put out. Here's what you are promoting into environments that people are picking up on and not people who are trying to right. groom you for their purposes. People yeah. who are legitimately yeah, interested in your like growth. In yeah. your it is very I think as friends, we, yeah. we, we mm -hmm. do a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie. And I got on the nail with my friends to do some things that they probably shouldn't do. But, <laughs> but at the same time, True. it's like, you got to figure right. out how you're going to say it. Cause you know, your friend and you, you can't, we can't come at any less yeah. correct than you would come at your work friends, Mr. Wells. Uh, you know, I, you have to, you have to glide that in right. there. Like, okay, baby. Now mm -hmm. I know that we did this, that, and the third. However, you know, what, what about you though? You know what, mm -hmm. what? 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 What else happened? Like, like, tell yeah. me the whole story. Tell me the whole story one more time. Let's talk I mean, about it. Let's talk about yeah. it. What, 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 what's going on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and sometimes in talking to people, it's good to throw a thing out that just kind of shocks the system. It could be like, nah, <laughs> listen, like, bro, you you can tell a friend. It's just like you come across as dumb. Like that's how people process. Not that you um, are. You come across as dumb or. Well, or one that kind of a, a term right now that's starting to gain a lot of attention is intentionality, right? You know, so it's like, no, I want someone who is intentional. No, you don't. Most people really don't. Not for real. If you, in fact, have people in your life who are truly intentional, like if I'm intentional and I call Constance, and I'm like, Constance, I'm going to this exhibit on Saturday. I would love for you to come with me, right? If you need to take 30 minutes to make your mind up on that, you're not going. Right. And then here's somebody else who's no truly intentional people they, that move a system along that tend to be very purposeful. And like we're using the term without understanding the term or the psychological makeup of the people in it. We're thinking we're wanting yeah. because of all. We of, do it. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Because we because usually we try to be respectful of you. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, well, so. So there, there are yes. a significant number You're of fuck right. people, and, you know, fuck boys and fuck girls that are in our environment, right? So we've had to try to cater to them in some way because they're in the spaces where people are. And folks will say they won't cater to them, but let's be clear. The more attractive <laughs> overall the fuck boy or fuck girl is, the better life they're going to live. And most people are going to give them access to yeah. it. It's going to happen, yeah. ultimately. Yeah, we will say we want someone who is intentional, but most folks who are intentional are intentional because they're trying to get things done. And they've usually in their past been messed over by iffy people. So they aren't going to appear on the surface to necessarily be as engaging, intriguing, stimulating, or exciting, but they are there and purposeful. They get things done. 
right? Until we come to a space where we're ready to hold room for those people, we're not going to be good. And most folks will still wonder why. It's like, yeah, man, um, I'm trying. So I have a homeboy, right? You know, he's a good dude. I'm going to say his name. Um, him, he knows who he is. So a lot of, in a lot of instances, my guy, because he, I mean, we're both members of the same nerd group. His name starts with them. So when he comes to a space where he's like, I've met this very interesting woman, man, I want to hang out with her. It's like, oh, you know, what does she say? Man, yo, she said she likes anime, for instance, right? You'll notice when you said you like anime, the first thing I asked you was, what's your favorite anime? Because a part of what we have is an environment that promotes a lot of fuck boys and fuck girls. So there are people who are among us who are kind of like, oh, I'm different. I'm so interesting. I saw an anime show one time. I enjoyed it. I'm into anime. So now this dude who watches 12 hours of anime in a week has let this person who hasn't watched anime in five years convince him of this. And so when they hang out and he's trying to watch it, she's bored to tears, doesn't want to talk to him again. It's like, bro, if you know you need this much <laughs> trunk space, stop trying to make a sports car your main car. Go get you a truck. You understand? You have to have people who fit the right, right kind of purposes and roles in your life. Otherwise, you are playing around. Like, fundamentally, you're playing games, man. That's what a lot of people are doing, often to build their resume. They want to have these experiences. Yeah, so while I don't agree with the point of view, I realize I was raised in a different generation, right? You know what I mean? I'm 43. So I was really raised probably among the last group of men that, were told to listen as opposed to watch necessarily what women were doing. That is not how the last couple of generations have been raised fundamentally. So some of the problem that we're seeing is on both ends, both ends almost entirely. Um, we've raised men and told them via campaign, via narrative, hey, listen, be intelligent, be hardworking, have enthusiasm for life, be curious, be good to people. We've said, here are all of these things. In every other walk of life, anytime you're building qualities into a system, it makes the thing in the system more valuable. If a car has more things, you charge more for it. If a building has more amenities, you charge more for rent. Like in every system where we're adding more things, where people are concerned, it's the one space where we've tried to say, listen, I want you to have more things, but that doesn't give you more value. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And here's the damning part of it, right? Most of the things that we say add value, dudes have learned over time, most women don't really give a fuck about fundamentally. They don't, right? In any real way. So if all of us think of the smartest dude who we know, even if he's a near genius, does that automatically equate to success with women? No. If we think about the best looking dude who we know, all of us, does that equate to success with women? More so than intelligence more so than with intelligence, more so than with, say, goal setting, more so than with being good or kind to others and in volunteering. I say that to say on both ends, as an entire society, we've created a space where we haven't really spoken to why it is people need to be better people for themselves. Do you want to bring amazing qualities to the table for the purposes of being more developed? Now, plenty of people are looking and they're like, nah, man, for what? Why do I need to be that, right? I see 
just by imitating this dude is having this level of success. And if we're being told, well, all of those are lacking this and I want this. We're hearing a lot of I want this, right? And I want this and I find this to be a quality. So then we're looking toward people who have that. Or we're simply having young men who are saying, well, nah, I realize the rarity now. And if I'm a rare find, then I am worth more. But we got to stop saying that these qualities are rare and they're worth more than. Does intelligence count for anything? Yeah, it does. I don't know. It does. It does. I couldn't it does. tell you. It should, yes. but I mean, it does. You can okay. be cute all you want to, okay. but I don't, I don't I feel like you can't be done. I would agree. Just can't. Oh, no, I think oh. y'all are speaking from a real personal space. I think you're speaking from a real personal space. No, listen, 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 listen. Lenny Kravitz, as a human being, while not dumb, he is not getting ready to win anyone's Nobel Prize for anything. And he never has to. Lenny Kravitz could be stupid as hell. And he is always going to have his choice in women because he's Lenny Kravitz, right? His it will never matter. It will never matter in any way. I think that is on the high end what we are faced with. If you kind of micro it and macro it, individually does intelligence count to us? It does because we're bright people. Does it matter to us if a person wants to make the lives of other people better? It does. But what value that then brings into their life, who knows? You can't really sell those qualities, right? And I'm telling you this being a genius. I'm legit a genius, not even a joke, right? And if I am like, well, how do I then experience my life being different because of it? Mm, mm. Has some instances where it's amazing, but most folks, right? You take Yahya Abdul-Mateen, right? Brother going to be on the cover of anything. Folks are going to check that thing out. Right. If I take, say, Cornell West and put him on the cover of something. Cornell West, though. <laughs> but he intrigues me. First time I saw Cornell West on anything, he intrigued me. He got this stupid that scarf Frodo. on him. Get this oh, stupid honey. scarf off his neck. Get out the way, though, bro. But no, I say, I say all of that in a serious way to say I think we've created too much of an environment where especially lesser qualities are not in any way being penalized. So those things are being tolerated. You know, yourself, you're three women who are absolutely well-developed, but there are too many women in spaces who tolerate those things, right? So it's created a kind of economy for many men where they're like, bro, why would I bother with Monika Javonda Constance like telling me to be better when there's like five other honeys that are willing to tolerate the worst <laughs> of it? I'ma never go broke. I'ma just go over there. Right, they ain't spending so the money. Sad, you, know, that you just want to live your life as a mediocre motherfucker. I just that the body that's hurtful to me. Listen, <laughs> hey, hey, who here's I look I look at it in this way, right? When I was teaching at Claflin, I had one of my students telling me about a brother who raps uh -huh. by the name of Rod Wave, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like, Yeah, this is my favorite, right? And I'm like, Well, this cat is a horrible rapper. He can't actually rap. He he can't do the thing you're saying he does. He's terrible. Right. And I'm like, give me your opinion of Nas. Brother, I literally never listened to any extensive Nas music. An amazing rapper, artistically, personally and actually an amazing rapper. And the thing is, he's like, nah, 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 nah. But if you look at it, Nas ain't even streaming. Rod Wave is like eight million streams in a given month. And I'm like, bro, there's the problem you have. <laughs> Who's going to rap like Nas when someone who can't rap like Rod Wave is getting 8 million streams in a day, in a week. 
no one's going to go through all of the trouble Nas has to go to to create a work of art when someone who creates trash like Rod Wave is literally getting all of that attention and money. Same problem in the economy we have. It's like, you got a bunch of Rod Wave head-ass niggas walking around because well, they were getting streamed well, a lot, right? Well. Until until the collective economy stops yeah, streaming them. Then, it's not because it's trending. Nah, we ain't going to get past that. And then, and then, and then, yeah, no, and then their relationships, they're streaming. That's the equivalent of it, they're being streamed in relationships and in social engagement. They're being streamed. Now, not just for so. them, not for me. It's like, mm, well, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'm being, now, it's like I'm being punished for being about I mean, shit as a woman. Now I'm being punished because you know you can go to mm. somebody who just doesn't give a fuck. Well, I guess I'm just me single forever. I guess that's mm-hmm. the reality. I have to figure because I, all the rest of them seem it's, to have no, they done got somebody They got somebody. Is there quality out there though? There's, there's quality out there, you know, both male and female quality. Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally it becomes a matter like if we think about it in terms of music, there's great music out there. It does require some unearthing. We do have to go to it, and then sometimes we have to be intentional. I know a lot of sister friends that I've talked to are generally like, I'm sick of who Mm -hmm. is approaching me. And I always stop at the approaching me piece. It's like, yeah, listen, the rabbit don't get to tell how fast the fox they want hunting them, right? You're going to have to be a little more predator and less prey. If your goal is to find something that you find to be best for you, (laughs) you're going to have to get out there and be like, no, I'm Constance. Let me go get it, right? Constance is not a game. Right? Everything out here. I've got money on all the heads of these niggas out here. It's money on everybody's head. What's good? It's money on every head in here. That that sounds all well and good, but you know what? I'm motherfucking tired. Okay, I do my shit all the motherfucking time. Bitch, I want to be chased by your punk ass, and yet I don't want you to be a punk. I want want that go-getter to come get me. Come get me. I don't want to have to keep so doing every damn who thing. Just went after their um... <laughs> right. <laughs> who's who's on American now? I, I mean, it's not. It's not about. So it's if they are intrigued about what you bring in or what you present to the table, they'll chase after you. So it's not. It's what you present. So it's not about. You can want to be chased, and you can be chased. It's all about what you present to the table. So if you say, hey, I'm Constance, this yeah. is what I'm about, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I'm about, you know, this is where I want to go in my life. And they'll be like, oh, okay, I like that. I'm going to try to go after that. Or someone be like, uh-uh, you too much work for me. No, no, I'll go, I'll go uh-huh. Right. And I think a lot of times we run into the people who be like, uh-uh, I ain't trying to put in that work. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> and I right. think... Yeah, so you can still be chased. It's just about, okay, I'm going to put this sample on this table about what I'm about in life. (laughs) And you let me know if you like it. And if you don't, then that's fine. You know, I can just go on to somebody else's table. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, and some folks believe they're putting the right kind of sample out, but they're not putting a sample out that is representative of who they truly are. And and isn't representative of their Mm -hmm. best qualities. I think that was the the problem at first. I wasn't hardly going anywhere, and when I was, I was Mm -hmm. putting on this front and doing things and dressing a certain way, and I'm like, that's not not how I dress. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, that's not what I look like. Okay. (laughs) I was doing what I was doing. It wasn't the right thing. And so I attracted what I attracted, and it's now gone. Long gone. And um, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, here I am. 
being unapologetically me. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's uh -huh. happening now. Mo, you look you was about to say something. <laughs> no, I, I mean I don't I don't think you I have yes, I have oh, more yeah, Mo, than I have more things to say than time will allow. So let's just roll. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, the, yeah there's that definitely out. not enough gotcha. workers. <laughs> but uh, I mm. forgot what you said earlier um, when you said we need to present our best selves. Mm. So in regard to mental wealth in the black community, going back to the topic, how do we um, get mm -hmm. ourselves to present our best selves, yeah. not only to men that we want to attract um, and potentially date but to our black community True. so that we can be assets to them yeah yeah i think the community piece is even a little more critical i'm gonna go pull back from the community piece even going to the personal piece i think a part of what our community is struggling with now and looking at mental health is wanting to be mentally well in spaces where others can see it so that they can see we're doing well and i'm troubled by that because i think it often goes back into the idea of black excellence being present all of the time, even where mental health is concerned. And our mental health and wellness is messy. So a part of what I would like is for us to spend a lot of time making room in our community for the messiest versions of ourselves, right? Making a lot of time for the less than perfect versions of ourselves and saying, you know what, today I just don't got it. I am I'm not a very good version of myself today. I don't have my fastball. I may have it tomorrow. Let me be kind to myself today and let me be kind to others. And let me make as much room as I can for people in my life to not be always on and be themselves as I know them, but to make room for whatever version is present today, right? And the best version of us is whatever one feels powerfully engaged with the environment that they're in, right? If I'm totally confused and anxious today? Do I have an environment, family and friends who are black that can make room for it? Or am I required to be Dr. Napoleon Wells, the expert today, right? Nah, you know, some days I need somebody to hold room. Like, you know, I'm still a nigga from the Bronx, bro. <laughs> like, you know, I want to punch somebody in the mouth for saying the wrong shit to me, man. Like some, for somebody to just be like, son, I see you. I understand. Right. I like, I got that. You'll be better tomorrow. And I think we have to hold room for ourselves in that way and hold room for others in that way, right? And change the expectations that we have of ourselves. You know, we, I think I'm struggling very often with a community of folks and friends around me who are always thinking of where their best self is and not how content and happy and healthy the self in the moment is, right? Like, are you doing things that have meaning to you? Are you with people that have meaning to you, right? Uh, even outside of therapy spaces, right? Even wanting to go and seek therapy is a thing, but outside of it, can you be your most authentic self right in that moment? And if you can't, there's no way to be fully healthy. There simply is not. Because a lot of what you're then engaging people with is kind of whatever mask you have available and wanting for them to have access to it. And you can't hope yourself into being well. You know, you have to engage yourself in being well, whatever it is on that day. And whatever, listen, if all I am is a seven, in terms of my wellness today, I got to live with that today. And hopefully others engage that with me. Um, so how would you bring that to the opposite perspective? So opposite, opposite as in, you're seeing that that person mm -hmm. is pre presenting themselves as a seven today. How do you adapt? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. How do I adapt as a person in their life? Oh, okay. Um, I think the best way to adapt to that is to keep a frame of mind that people are going to be less than their best selves, right? We, we go back to that meme and GIF part of our society where folks, so I saw this one maybe about a year and a half back and it was like, if you don't like love me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. It was something along those lines. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever, bro. Like, hold on, hold on. Nah irresponsible because of the kind of attitude that it's trying to build in other people. I think from the other point of view, what we should do every day is to ask people how their head and their heart are. Like kind of what are you thinking and feeling today? Like, do you need to be loved more today? Do you need more room today? Like today, like in that space, we often check in with our people periodically because we think they're just kind of who they are and they change ever so often. Right. But everyday people might require a new thing of us or a different thing of us. And we don't always feel equipped, but sometimes the best thing to do is to try to get a sense of what they might need from us on this day. Who are you today? How are you feeling today? Do you need to specifically be valued more today? Do you need to hear a good thing today? Do you need me to not problem solve for you today? Do you just need me to listen today? You know, people may not always know what to tell us, but I think just tuning in with people and asking them, tuning into them, paying attention to them and seeing where they are is the best approach. You know, sometimes just living with who people are in that space. My difficulty with um, doing that for people is I feel obligated to help them, even though they may say, oh, I have it or I just need a listening ear. I take on their Mm -hmm. issues as my own and I'm just like, oh my gosh, now I have to do something with this information that you've given me. Right, right. Yeah, and I would say, Monique, that's your problem, not theirs. And don't make your problem their problem. Like you just did, you just did that. You know, solely was like, well, I feel a certain amount of guilt and weight that I am carrying. Now that's your problem, right? And so some of that personal walk is being willing to to say in some way, you know what, this may not be my problem to solve in any way. And kind of ask people what they might need from you. And if people are telling you that you can't solve it and that you won't solve it, we talked about that mental load earlier, right? And that's some of just what you've described is that obligation. Like, I can't have the people that I love around me, you know, with problems that can't be solved. I need to do something about it, but it may not be yours to solve. So living with some of that guilt and that tension until you develop just a habit of feeling more comfortable with it, that might be some of your walk. That might be some of your walk. Some people, they be all right. You know, they don't always need their problems solved. They may be all right, Monique. People gonna be good, man. It ain't yours to deal with accepted. all the time. No. Be <laughs> yes, man. Go for it. Go Ooh, forward. I, do Do you guys yeah. have any other questions for Mr. Wells at all, Professor Wells? No. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you at all, do you have any like social media handles or email? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. My. Twitter handle is Napoleon, my name, N-A-P-O-L-E-O-N, the letter B, the letter X, and then Sith, S-I-T-H. Um, you can shoot me an email. Uh, my business email is Napoleon Wells, Ph.D., N-A-P-O-L-E-O-N, Wells, Ph.D., at gmail.com. Um, just hit me up if you have a question. Oh, uh, no. Don't ask me to come talk at your church or the community. So you can't afford me if you're asking me that question. That way, so don't worry about that. Um, just shoot, just shoot a question. Dude, and nothing so professional, man. That's, 
but not highlight me. I'm around. Um, I think I appreciate all of the energy that our community is having around mental health. It's been a beautiful set of conversations that we're having. I'm here and open to contribute in whatever way that I can. So be sure to reach out. I'm near. Right, and I appreciate you ladies bringing this to your yeah. listenership. It's very critical really conversation yeah. to, have. to speak on it. Absolutely. Yes, mental health is something that's very important to all three oh, of us. Thank you. Thank so. you for having me. We definitely appreciate yes. it. Yes, it is a work in progress. We're, we're a work in progress. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Keep at it. Keep at it. Nobody's a finished product. No one at all. Yeah, we've all got work to do. As emotionally as healthy as I am usually, yeah, some days I'm like, Lord, I'm worried about myself, man. Listen. Like, nah, let me leave the guns at home. We need to let God fix it because if we fix it, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, sometimes you, sometimes you got to leave that power of the tongue. For real. Okay. Um, give God our burdens, honey. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if we, I think, again, if we allow ourselves to know, you know, there's more growth, there's more opportunity, and first making that room for ourselves, you know, what version of me is here today, and do I need the whole room for? Yeah. Great. Uh, we'll okay. be good. Nice. Nice. This is great. We Thank definitely you so much. It. This was. Me too. Not a problem. Daddy. Me too. Thank you. <laughs> Whining with wine. Tell us your grievances. Whining with wine. Girl, well, tell us what's on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lord, let's give him these wines of the week, honey, because. Lord, oh, I'm pushing up my glasses. I ain't got no glasses week. on today. <laughs> <laughs> pushing up her glasses with contact. <laughs> Girl, that's the worst feeling of my day. Maybe push it right in betwixt my nose, like bitch. There ain't no glasses. Yes. There. You got no contact. I mean, oh, like no. it's like a phantom glasses. Like you just be like pushing them up. Like you need to make sure. That's when you know you're about to have a serious conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who gonna go first? Cause I, I think I went first last time. So, um, okay, I'll go. All right. So my, you know, and we back oh, to the children. Oh. I love I it wait. so much, but y'all, okay, so I have to get the full tea on Monday, and I guess I'll express it when we come back from vacation, but y'all, when I tell you, these children of mine that are not, I didn't birth them, okay, in my classroom, I got 18 of them, a smooth seven of them were, when I tell you outdone, fucking outdone that I'm leaving Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this upcoming week, they were like, Miss Gant, this is at the lunch table here now. And I had already warned them, pre-warned them last week, the week before, like kind of dropping hints. Okay, sometime in October, I'm going to be gone. I'm, I, I'll be, I won't be here for a few days, okay? I won't be here. Just, you know, I'm a, it's going to be a sub in the room. They was like, Miss Gant, so you just going to leave us? I'm and, just going to bang us who? like that? You, how long you, how long you going to be gone? Three days? When? When you going? Who going to be here? Is there going to be a sub? Is it going to be the related arts teachers being with us? Who is? Are they nice? What we going to have to do? We got to do work. Are we going to be able to play? Is it going to be easy? Is it going to be hard? Like, when are you coming back? I'm coming back to follow Monday. Good God, to follow Monday. Where you going? It don't even matter where you going. Why are you leaving so long? Where you going? What you doing? Who you going with? Can we go? You, you going to buy us some tickets so we can go? No, child, I could barely afford to go for myself. 
if this is what you parents deal with, I am so sorry. I mean, I knew you had it worse than me. I really did. I knew you had some things going on. But these children feel like they're entitled to my life. (laughs) And they are so mad at me for leaving and trying to have mental health, trying to regain sanity. They don't realize, or they do realize and just don't care that they don't want to drive me actually insane. Um, but yeah, um, I, shout out to all the parents out there who have children that are sweet and precious and nosy and need to know everything that they're doing at all times. These children. Okay. Because I can't take it. Did they say buy me a ticket? I can't do that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Can we go? Can you buy us a ticket to go to Denver? Because I told him I was going to Denver. I hoping that was far enough away. They'd be like, oh, well, that's far away. No. Can you Can buy us a ticket? Hell yes. to the no. These children. Okay, children. <clears throat> no, I'm going to have to get some, some bribery candy. So for when I come back, you know, I'll be able to reward the ones who didn't act like heathens when oh I was gone. Oh, my gosh. Like, I used to love when the sub was there because we would just watch movies. Yes. I wish I could leave that for my sub. I really do. I wish I could. I would I would find some some scientific or social studies related reason to watch a movie. I'd even make you watch a movie and just write a quick summary <laughs> about it. Cuz that's what we're learning. But I can't cuz my principal is not having that shit. Mm. She's not. Cool. <laughs> I just want to say um not to cut off your wine with wine, but I'm on my last uh-uh. swallow. Go ahead, I'm done. Of my drink. Oh. But I have more. You, I think it's, it's your in turn. The fridge. But I'm in the closet. Text, so. t- text your husband and tell him to bring you some more wine from the fridge. <laughs> it's just us. Right? It's just family now. <laughs> that's all I want to say. Shit, I text him. EJ! Call him, Bring your wine to some more <laughs> Bring your wine to some more wine. Oh my gosh, because that's how I sound when I be calling him. It is. It's so funny to me. Oh it's gosh. so funny to me. <laughs> but yes, kids, I I am with your sentiments. So we were actually Ooh. on our way here um, to Atlanta. Like um, there was this guy who was with his son, and I guess it was maybe it was his son's first flight or whatever. And his son was excited, and he was like, "Where's our seat?" And they happened to have stopped at our seat, and. The dad was like, look at your ticket. What does your ticket say? And in my mind, as an impatient person that I am, I'd be like, Negro, mm. I done told you what your seat was before we got <laughs> on the plane. You know what the number looks like. Okay, you old enough to know how to count past 50. So do you see this number? What number aisle is that we at right now? Okay, this ain't the aisle. So let's keep going. But he was just like, what seat, what seat are we um, at? And the son was like, I think we're at. He was like, well, look at your ticket. What did your ticket say? And he had to pull up the ticket. He was like, the ticket says. And it was like. <laughs> EJ's here. Oh, he, he got my text. Okay, great. <laughs> he got my text. He came directly to deliver that wine to the club. He's enjoying this right now, kind of. I see the, I see the smirk oh, no, on his face. <laughs> Anyway, but the kid was like, the ticket said, he was like, all right, so that means we got to keep going. We have to look for that number. But in my head, I was like, 
Part out, but we're gonna we're gonna add "cuz bitch" to to the end of my song. <laughs> yes. Okay, you need to get Kev to mix it. So yeah. my wine with wine has to do with I hate to be that pharmacist to be like you a fucking technician and I'm a pharmacist. Like, but I hate to be that person because I know how it feels to be a fucking technician because I was a technician. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. So we all know that I work in a closed door facility. I don't see patients, but I talk to them on the phones or whatever. So we have an area of where we had those interactions with patients, doctors' offices, you know, the outside world. So it was one day I was scheduled to be over there, but the seat that I was scheduled at, I was like, I don't like to be out there because I feel exposed. So I like to be inside the cubicle, not on the outside. So the technician, one of the technicians left. The cubicle I decided to take over when she left is a cubicle she that she's frequent. Like this is this is her quote unquote cubicle. I mean it's not hers. Mm-hmm. She wasn't assigned to it. But it's hers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like and un- right, un- right, un- right, right. Hers. Because she's that's her that's one of her that's her job. Like she's there most of the time. You know, out of the week, 40 mm-hmm. hours out of the week, she's there 35. Okay. So that's hers. That's where she chooses right, to right, be. Right. She likes it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I leave one day. And it was one day I was leaving and Mo had called me just before I was about to go. And I was like, oh, oh, it's time for me. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for me to get off. And I was talking to Mo while I was getting off. You know, I got to wipe down my station. It's COVID out here. So, you know, you wipe down your station. Right, right, right. You Lysol and you get ready to leave, right? So I come the next day and she was like, did you sit at my station yesterday? And I said, yes. And I will sit at it again and again and again. Ooh. You told her that? Yes. And again and again. And this is before. This is before I found out that another technician, because the technicians have like something that's like a group me, but it's for like work. It's not really a group me. It's a different mm-hmm. app. But it's like something for work and the pharmacist has one. So this is before I found out that she went into that group and was like, who sat at my desk last yesterday? And another snitch ass bitch pharmacist, snitch ass bitch technician was like, oh, I think it was Jawanda. And they sent laughing emojis like they think that shit funny because they knew what it was when she asked that. So she was like, Uh. she was like, oh, I thought so. The next time another pharmacist, somebody else sit at my seat, it's going to be problems. This is before. This is before I knew she said that. So I, I already know oh. how particular she is about her seat, right? Because she don't let people sit. She don't let anybody sit there. She really don't care if I sit there. But, okay, I'm going to get to why she got the attitude about me sitting there. Mm-hmm, so I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, girl. And I said, I'm going to sit there again. And I'm going to sit there again. And I'm going to sit there again. Right? She was like, well, you left my desk a mess. 
and you know I got OCD. I was like, okay. So in my head, because I was talking to Mo, because I was getting ready to leave work, I thought I left uh-huh. you there. Like, I thought, like, I left some papers there. I thought, like, I messed it all, like, I left it a mess because I was maybe distracted from talking to Mo, but I knew I wiped that shit down and I cleaned it. And I was like, okay. I was like, so what did I leave there? She, she, she kept talking. I was like, but what was left on the desk? And she was like, right. oh, it was a highlighter and you left um, the pharmacist's script pads. I was like, girl, if you there's a note she said there's a note on my desk that says to keep it clean i said girl what you don't have a desk though no i'll let let them have it because i know i know how people are territorial territorial about their space i have no problem with that because i'm territorial about my space when you can't be territorial when but when you don't share when you share a space you can't be you can only so the point was my point was i thought i left a mess on your desk but I didn't. I uh-huh. left some script pads and I left the highlighter out, which was actually your highlighter. I just didn't put it back in the desk. So I was like, then I turned around and I saw that she went and got the neon paper that we use for something else. And she decides that she's going to write a big ass note that says, clean desk after use. I was like, girl, so you wrote another sign to put on that? She said, oh, so you saw the first sign. I was like, yeah. And? So I was about to go in with her, but she picked this up the phone out this office because I think she knew that wow. I was gonna go toe to toe with her because I wasn't about to play with you about, about mm-hmm. no highlighter and no damn script pads. Like, girl, I thought I left right. a mess. You saying that I left a highlighter and script, and you said that you got OCD, then you would put this big ass sign on your desk because OCD means what? Obsessive. You don't like nothing disorder. out of order. Nothing so if that, at you all. You would put that one side under your desk. You would have put another side beside it because it's. You know, it's order. First of all, right. this facility is directly small. in the middle. It ain't like we in a whole block. We we in a suite. We in three suites. So, explain to me, girl, what is it? What's the problem? Tell them we don't you have these bathrooms. You share this little itty bathroom with everybody else here. We've had COVID outbreaks, which is normal because we we work together. So we're gonna have a COVID outbreak. But you're concerned about your fucking desk having a highlighter and script pads on it. It's not your desk, bitch. It's not even your motherfucking desk. If you got a problem, then find some place. It's not. It's a community desk, you stupid hoe. If you have an issue with it, then find some place where you're valuable enough to have your own motherfucking desk and you won't have this issue. Otherwise, shut the, the fuck up. This call your house. That's all okay. I have to say. Well, there's so that. So I just. I just felt some kind of way. I felt some kind of way towards her because she tried to make it seem like I left a mess on her desk. And, and the second place, I felt some kind of way towards a snitch bitch technician who decides to tell that, oh, I knew, I think Jawanda was sitting there. And I have yet to confront him because I didn't know whether I wanted to confront him or I was just going to let it slide. So I decided to let it slide. Just let it slide. Some, we don't have time. If I hear time. some shit again yeah. about then this mission, worth talking about. because that means some, I would have had to, <clears throat> like, that means I would have had to out the technicians, not just one, but the multiple technicians that let me yeah. know that he is the, and it was a dude, that he was the one that told on me yeah, don't don't because out. Because he knew that he was gonna start drama, but it wasn't because he was just trying to just, 
you know, just answer a question. Because nobody, nobody else answered her. Just him. It's because he, he wanted to start a drama between me and her. So that's because, that's why he, he gave a response. So I had to make that choice to whether I want to confront him about what he said in a group that I'm not even a part of or whether I was just going to let it slide. And I decided to let it slide. But you know what? Me, me, you, we nothing. Am I going to say anything to you? Nope. Are we cool? Nope. And all I have to do is give you is two middle fingers because F you, bro. And you a dude, yo. Like, it's always a dude. They are more majestic than females. Let's, let's... Oh, my God. It's not even funny. Monique, I don't know when you found out, but I found out, I feel like, recently that men are way worse than us, but yet they like to talk about, like, women's problems and women do this. Y'all are bigger bitches than we are. It's disgusting, actually. There's some things you will waste your time on to instigate. There's some women, some women do, but mostly little girls do. Mostly little-ass girls do. Most women ain't got time for that bullshit. They may laugh when they see it, but when they become part of it, mm-mm. Nah, nigga. It was unnecessary. You were instigating, bitch. Like, don't you have anything better to do with your time? Clearly not. And a, and Clearly the fuck not. Where we have like 40 plus technicians, only one answer, and you had to be the one, and you the snitch, bitch. You just fucked up. You could have should have sent right. a shrugging like, emoji. You had to send shit. And left it there, even if you knew. You, you didn't have to say anything, but if you had to send something, send a shrugging emoji and laugh quietly to yourself. Like, I know who said that. But it's not that big of a deal. Just fucking get over it. Get you a Lysol wipe and hush. Sit there and do your fucking job. And he's not bothering you. You're okay. Who's next? Whining with wine, child. Tell me your grievance. Whining with wine. Girl, what is on your mind? (laughs) 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 Sorry, come on, laugh out, but... Oh my gosh. My watermelon wine is from Mother Nature. Okay? Because one oh. good thing about us in doing the podcast is we get to try all these different wines. Well, apparently, my location of living, it does not work for me with all these wine bottles because the Drosophilia flies, better known as the fruit flies, have been getting on my motherfucking nerves these last two weeks. Wow. It's a problem. I own a whole cleaning company. I clean. My house is clean. So oh, it Pause. Run that back. What'd you do? I own a You're, cleaning you got company. got a what? Mm-hmm. In Southern mm-hmm. South Carolina called The uh-huh. Touch. No. Look us up on yes. Facebook. Hashtag. Oh, yes. Yeah, please do. <laughs> cleaning business. But, so. Bird. I don't understand how to get rid of these little shits. And I thought I was good. Didn't see any all day. Then the day I open, and then finally I open my bottle of wine for a recording, and uh, one little little shit come flying around, and I'm just like, I'm over it. At this point, I just want to get a fogger and bomb my house to get rid of them, because I don't know what else to do. Like, if y'all have tips and tricks on how to get rid of these little things, I would appreciate it. I've tried the bug spray. I've tried the hanging fly traps. Those really do work. Shout out to Raid. But mm-hmm. what else am I supposed to do? It's th- There's some little, like, hack you can do, like a regular-ass cup. You don't have to cover it or nothing. It's like 
dish. Girl, oh yeah. This must be a different breed of them because they no. come and they fly over the bowl and they just go about their business as if they already know what's going oh. on. Damn it! They're yes. They're, oh, it's they're like the rats in New York. You, so they you know what's the coming. <laughs> Disgusting! Oh heavens! Yeah, I see one flying around right now. Hold like, up, at Mo's house. I can't like smash it. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch! No, she's saying she sees one at her house. No, at my house, fool ass. A girl. Uh, well, if they don't. If they're immune to the dish soap and whatever else they like. I forgot what I should put in. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm, vinegar. Yeah, yeah apple cider vinegar, some dish soap, and some water. You put it in there, and they, it's supposed to attract them, and it, it traps them in. Mm-hmm. The flying... No, she that, that hasn't no. worked for them. Work the flying... The hanging traps have worked the best. What's but the I'm hanging just like, traps? I want to be... Those little sticky things that you... Oh, okay. sticky ribbons that you just hang... Most people would have like big ass flies just sitting on them, but I'm just trying to catch these little things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know realize yeah. I had this many. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look, my mom had to do the same shit. She had, it, but she tried the dishwasher oh, okay. thing. It worked for her. But they were just they were in yeah. there. Yeah, EJ's old old yeah. apartment. Like we had to do that because he had fly like those fruit flies real bad. And I had to do that um, apple cider vinegar and um, dish soap and water. I think it was water you added in there, too. But, um, yeah, I had to do that. And it helped a lot. But he still had he still had a big issue with it. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just something we'll have to deal with. Because as soon yeah. as you open a bottle of wine, it's like, Hey, hey what you got, girl? Is it a party? Yeah, what, 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 what's this? This is new. <laughs> We haven't oh, tried this one yet. Like, oh, this smells like, good. Girl, can right. you put me a glass too? This is good. This right. is good. Is that white? Is that red? You need to bring this to the house all the time. Am I going to get drunk? Yeah, this is good stuff. They're willing to die in it. You know it's good, but I'm not willing to give that up. Well, maybe you should try. What wine have they it liked the most? It does not matter. Just put you a little and then dollar. I have like grapes and apples. So even if I eat those and then put that in the trash, you know they reproduce overnight. So it's yeah, just yeah. an unending Ugh. cycle of okay, both Marvel. of us can live in this house together. <laughs> so you said right. you have tried foggers, right? Oh no, I think I will. Like before we go oh, on vacation, okay. I think I'm just gonna bomb the house before just I bomb. leave. Yeah, just bomb the house. You step out, yeah. just bomb it before you leave in the morning, go to work, and then come back. By that time, you had enough time for it to air out or whatever. Mm, that's true. We just try to give that a try. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <sighs> Girl, I we all had something heavy on our hearts that we had to express. Ooh. Good God. All right. Well, if you guys have a mm. wine with wine and you guys want to share it with us, yeah. let us let us Please know. Do. Um, and if you guys also have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, um, you can definitely hit us up on Instagram. We're the Unestablished Podcast on Instagram. Um, you'll see the same picture that comes up when you download our episodes every week uh, on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you'll see us there. You can also email us at unestablishedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have yet to see any questions, comments, or concerns in our emails. But we have seen some stuff in our Instagram. So we're excited about that. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know 
if we're gonna share that or not. I guess I should ask the person if they want to share it, but you know, I don't think I want to share it. But we, but we appreciate, appreciate the correspondence via Instagram. <laughs> For sure, appreciate the correspondence via Instagram. We know you listening. Yes, to, uh, and I just want to let you know that whatever the comment that you gave, the concern that you gave, 100. Okay, you a real one. Okay, we appreciate yeah, that. I, sure. I yes, Lord. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you have anything else to add, just let us know. Um, other than that, I don't have <laughs> anything else to add. Do you guys have anything else? No. I don't. Not at this time. Just that I love you guys. Oh, I, I love you. Every week. I love you guys, too. <laughs> Even on vacation, I'm out here in the closet, you know? Yes. Trying to Honey, give you guys a little content. Lord, in the closet. When this we airs, we will have lived our best... <laughs> when this airs, yes. we will have lived our best lives, so... Y'all stay tuned. For sure. Please okay. do recap up with you and let I'm you know what's up. I'm about to go to the up. trap museum. Yeah. I'm going to get some photos. I've been and... trying to. Oh, yes. <laughs> I want some photos from the pink house. I'm going to try to take some. I've been trying to take pictures all weekend so I can send them to Mo so we can have some content. <laughs> yes, Lord. So. And we'll be sending each other. We're going to start sending this shit all to the drive Girl, all weekend. Out. Not even from just this, but. It's mental health month, so it's very appropriate. The okay. day that we're recording this, which is ten ten, is Mental Health Awareness Day. So, yes. you guys, make sure you check in on yourselves as well as others. Um, but make sure you check in on yourselves first. So that's all I have for sure. Other than that, Mo, go ahead and take us out. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Can't wait for this damn trip. <laughs> Thank you for joining us this week on Unestablished. Be sure to catch us every week and don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on all podcast platforms. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time, peace and love.